The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. you for joining me for another episode of my story living with lupus podcast today you'll hear from a young lady that i have been watching on social media for quite some time she's here to tell her story about living with lupus. I'm talking about the ups, the downs, and sometimes victories that we have dealing with this chronic illness. And you all know, as I've stated in previous podcasts, that each person's signs and symptoms are different. Last night I was going through this young lady's um, social media page and she said something that stuck out and rang true when you're fighting this illness and I may be paraphrasing it but here's the gist of it she said nobody truly knows your story but you the individual that's going through it nobody knows what you've been through but you. And she said, now it is time for me to tell my story. She further stated that through it all, there has been no one but God to see her through. Up next, you'll hear from this young lady. I'm talking about lupus advocate, Dee Wynn. She's here to tell her story, her truth, her journey of living with this chronic illness, which has no cure. So you know what I want you to do all the way 
from the United States to South Africa. Get ready this Saturday morning, February the 27th, 2021. Grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and to my listeners late at night, you know I appreciate you. So get ready to grab your favorite glass of wine and come on and listen to the story of a lupus advocate, a lupus warrior, D. Wynn. Ophthalmology Associates, PC, Drs. Berman and Dr. Zuckerbrod, treating diseases of the eye and eye surgery. You can reach them at 313-341-3450. As promised to you on this Saturday morning, February the 27th, 2021, we are talking to lupus advocate, lupus warrior, D. Wynn. She's here to give you her honest, straightforward opinion and experience and her journey of living with this chronic illness called lupus. Thank you for joining us today, Dee. How are you this morning? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. Dee, I want you to tell all of my listening audience, from the United States all the way to South Africa, your journey of living with lupus. When did your lupus symptoms start? What, um, how can I say this? What has lupus caused? Um, what damage has lupus caused, I should say, to your body? The floor is yours. Um, first of all, I'd like to say hello, 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 all my lupus and brothers, family of lupus, sisters, and brothers. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Miss Bella Anita Wynn. Um, I'm married with two kids. I've been married for 23 years. We're going to just get that on out the way. <laughs> now, my journey with lupus started way before, way before I got diagnosed. See, and my, my story is unique because I learned how to love people and understand people through having lupus. I I learned to understand myself with lupus. So my hardship came because I was just so sickly as a kid. Like I didn't know. So, you know, being like when you're young, you, you, you can't go outside if you don't go to school. So I learned early on, I'm thinking just to fight and ignore the pain because, you know, you want to have fun. But I kept, like, having heart pains, heart pains, heart pains, sharp heart pains as a young girl. 
But I would think, like, maybe I'm just rough. Maybe I'm just tough. So as time went on, I started um, taking care of my father. But pains went on, like, he was paralyzed, so I used to have to help him. But I was just sick, like, dehydrated, like, fatigued, like, just tired. And I didn't know. So I remember this was, like, in 1994, maybe. I had went and had a pap smear. And my doctor told me that I needed to come and take some biopsies and all this, that he thought I had cancer. Like he said, he thought it could be. He's not sure. I got so scared because I had a big responsibility and everything. I went to, like, different doctors every six months just to have a pap smear so I could never go have this biopsy because I'm like, okay, now I'm going to God. Like, God, I don't have this. You know, I'm young. I want to live my life and everything. So I just ignored it. I just ignored it. Um, I met my husband, my now husband, in 95. Just so happened, I started working at Chrysler, and I used to get these sharp pains, like pains like starting at your toe, like sharp Mm -hmm. to your, like, tailbone. Mm -hmm. Like, like it was like excruciating pain. And I saw... Or like, just like my legs. So I used to think I was just like the cutest person. Like, I just thought like my clothes, like I just thought so highly of myself. Like, you know, I'm still like, can't nothing be wrong. So I used to laugh it off and I'm like, damn, what is really wrong with me? So the doctor that told me I had cancer called my mother. I guess he hadn't seen me like in a couple of years. So I guess he like, what's going on? And told her that he told me he found some sugar in my urine or some something in my urine that he thought it was. He asked how I was doing, where was I at, and all this. She called me like, get over here right now. Your doctor said he need to see you immediately. So I took all the tests. It was not cancer. Now, fast forward, like, 97, I got pregnant. So I started having, like, like sores coming on my stomach and stuff. So now I'm like, well, dang, there's something wrong with my baby. There's something wrong with my baby. So my, my, my ankles started hurting. I'm, I'm just exhausted. My hair fell out. I started getting, like, these, like, big old lesions, like, on my temples and on my face and stuff. So I keep going. Like, I, I went to the doctor, like, every week because now I'm like, what's wrong with my baby? There's something wrong with my baby. They told me a spider may have bit me and that I probably had an allergic reaction. Sent me home and I had my daughter. I was okay. I got pregnant in 98. I mean, in 97. After I had my daughter, I got pregnant uh, a couple of months later, I guess. And I just, it just came. It just came. Like, like once I had my son, everything Everything went dark. My whole life went dark from there. That's when I had got diagnosed. I got diagnosed in 1998. I had one of the best and one of the worst years of my life in 1998. Um, February the 4th. No, I got diagnosed with lupus in 98. February the 4th, my dad died. But it was good because my... um. I got married in May. Mm-hmm. My son was born in June. 
But when they diagnosed me with lupus, and I went, how I got diagnosed, I went to a dermatologist, and they took a biopsy of my scalp. And from there, Miss Susan, I went to Rite Aid. And I think this is when my depression started, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it. They gave me two big old grocery bags full of medicine, like, you know, how they had a, the, the labels on them, uh-huh. right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like the description, like, they were like long. It was like 20 papers. I was like, my heart just dropped. Like, what? what is lupus? Like, I heard a lupus like maybe once when I was young and somebody's dad is like, you know, somebody like a relative, an older relative. So I didn't think nothing of it. I'm thinking like it's an older illness. You know, people, like, right. like your family, old people from out of town die. You know, stuff like that. So yeah. you don't pay no attention. When I got to the register, I had bought a pot. And this lady, this young girl asked me, she said, um, you have chicken pox? And I'm like, no. And I didn't want to be kind of rude to her because I'm feeling a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. But she was adamant. She was adamant, like, what is wrong? So I said, well, my doctor told me I got lupus. She said, oh, my best friend had that. She died with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. And, and now I'm, I'm like just now 27 years old. And they told me that I will only have seven to 15 years to live. So I'm wearing all this, but like the things that were going on in my head, I was sharing them and I wasn't sharing them. Mm-hmm. So now I got everybody making me think I'm crazy and I still look like I'm not sick. And that is an ignorant statement. You don't look like you're sick, but. I could do the things, like, I, I could do the things, but I couldn't explain the fatigue, like, right. Like I can do it for, like, 30 minutes, but then I can't. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, the dark side of having lupus is, like, the games I'm playing inside my head. Because I think, I mean, is it, have you been in, um, have you ever had, like, different emotions? where you done went through every emotion, like anger, guilt, rage, everything. Well, you, and when you're living with people or mm-hmm. you're around, like, family, like your parents, your kids, and you, you don't want them to feel a certain type of way because we have a big misconception out here in the world that we don't care or, like, stuff don't matter. Mm-hmm. It should matter. Mm-hmm. That's why we feel like we don't have no support, mm-hmm. you know? So I used to be hard on my family, like, y'all don't care. Y'all don't care. It messed up a lot of my relationships. But I didn't know, I didn't realize lupus changed my life. Mm-hmm. It did change other people's life, but it changed my life because it happened to me, and it's my life. Like, I was just angry at the world. Like, I couldn't understand why was this happening to me. Like, like it was... It, I was in a dark, dark place. Like, I didn't want a, to be around nobody. Like, lupus had, like, like I had so much lupus fault. Like, I, I, I noticed I used to go to work every day and read the paper. You know, read. Yeah. Keep your mask on. Like, I couldn't even tell people. Like, I was embarrassed to ask for help. Like, I don't think I can read. Like, I couldn't pronounce, like, the simplest word, the. Mm-hmm. Or, like, 
starting to spell. Like, and I'm like, wait a minute. I read everything. I read something positive, like, my whole life. Like, I love to read. Why can't I just do? So now I'm scared because now I'm looking at my family like, okay, they might be against me. Because you go through experiences. Like, I don't want people to think I'm incompetent. And, you know, you start feeling like, shoot, you don't want to write I just don't know how to explain it. Like, you're, ex- you you're explaining it the way it happened to you. We've all had that yeah. feeling, D, where um, my sister called out to me now. And she said, spell this word for me. And I'm sitting up here thinking, okay, how do you spell that? And it could be a, a simple word. And then I tell her, wait a minute, let me get a pencil and a piece of paper. And then I tell her, you got a dictionary right in there. Look it up yourself. I'm having that lupus moment where I cannot spell that word right now. So everybody's gone through it. Yes. And and it's, it's like, I could sit in the car, like I could be driving. We could be having fun. We can be laughing and having fun. By the time I get out the car, now I feel like I'm just, like I'm stiff, like I'm just, mm-hmm. like I can't move, but mm-hmm. I'm sitting down. Like it's like my hips or something, like my joints can't, like they locked or it's like I have to, I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 it's like the strangest feeling, but, and then you don't want to keep complaining. It, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it can mess up your life. Lupus messed up my life because along with that, it came heart failure. Mm-hmm. It came um, emphysema, COPD, mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, um, syringes. I, you know, I, I, I'm like, oh my God. The, the flip side, mm-hmm. because I have had it for over 25 years, mm-hmm. I've ran, you know how they say, um, Misery Love Company. Uh-huh. When I was depressed, I guess it brought a lot of people to you. I guess that's how, you know, you help people and pass it along. Mm-hmm. I have talked to so many people. And sometimes, how do we understand or we just have to work on ourselves. That's how my lupus started getting better. Like, that's how it started getting better. Like, wait a minute. Like, let me stop worrying about, like, want my kids to understand, want my husband to understand, want my mother just to understand. Like, like they don't even understand, like, sometimes the simplest things can be just like, I may just need a hug. Yeah. Like, like lupus is so tricky. Like, it just, it messes with you. It's, it's crazy when you go to the doctor. They say ain't nothing wrong with you. Either they giving you a ton of medicine, or now they treating you like that's all... Now you just sick and you just want drugs mm-hmm. or pain medicine mm-hmm. when you go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's like you you have to get real with your doctor. Like I, I get real with my doctor. I let my doctors know that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a young black woman. You know I have to fight for everything I have, mm-hmm. and you can't treat me. Like I see other people have been treated. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I really want drugs, I can go out here and buy some drugs. So mm-hmm. I think you need to really take in consideration and take care of my health because I'm losing it. And now I'm losing it mentally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you have to be real. Like tell 
tell the truth about everything you're going through. What I learned, how you deal with lupus, is you have to tell the truth. Like, you can't be shamed. You can't be embarrassed. You can't be cocky. You have you have to be confident. You have to believe in the Lord. Mm-hmm. But you have to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. You have to set little goals. You, you have to be at peace. Mm-hmm. You have to cut negativity out your life. You have to put yourself on a real diet mm-hmm. with going through any illness and mm-hmm. just going through life. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of our problems, especially in the black community, I'll say this. I don't know for anybody else because I don't live outside my race like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But we don't have, like, we care. We don't know how to care. We don't know. What I've learned throughout my experience with all my ups and downs, it landed me in unlikely places where I took the focus off of my lupus and off of me. I wanted to know why nobody really cared. For a moment, it didn't have anything. I want to know why so many people just don't care. Well, it's like you... Yeah, it's like you stated before. I think the the it's it's a misconception. And I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. Um you can go on social media and all you see is people complaining. You know, with lupus and people think that that's all we do is sit up and complain. So in their mind, they're saying, why should I, you know, care about dealing with this or trying to talk to this person if all they're going to do is sit up and say, oh, I can't do that, or I'm so tired today, or I'm sick. You know what I'm trying to say? I, no, I know exactly what you're trying to say because, you know, I share that with my sisters. I know, well, my sister, you know, I tell her, like, I don't know if I'm a good fit for the lupus group because... I'm kind of angry I have it because I want, like, a better life. It seems like some people grovel in it. Yeah. Like, that is their life. And I don't like that because you can't, if you sit there and just complain, you're going to feel worse. Yeah. You got to you got to do little things. And you can't hear what other people say. That's like elementary school stuff. You can't go around caring what, what people say about you. Yeah. And you gotta, like, I laugh. I laugh a lot with my sisters and them. Like, I laugh. Like, you know, I, I enjoy my um, family and stuff. I really enjoy them, but I let them know off, off the bat. I, we, we, we need to love each other. You know, you need to stop being ashamed of saying this and saying that because if I pass today, I mean, I truly feel that this is what I learned from Lupus. Don't treat me bad today and be at my funeral crying and hooping and hollering. I don't like that because I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for people when they lose loved ones. Mm-hmm. But you will never, somebody that treated me bad or I know didn't care for me, it's a loss for their kids, but I probably won't go to the funeral. I will, you know, send my condolences. But I mm-hmm. feel like I'm healthy because I'm truthful. I'm honest. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't, I don't fake the funk, you know, so yeah. I feel like that's a healthy life because I'm not lying to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not holding on to, to hate and grudges and stuff. I want to 
I want to be around people that truly love me so I can get the best quality of life. There you like, go. My husband, my mom, they, when I say I can get everything materialistically, financially, we got to give each other stuff that's really, really worth like way more than money. Mm-hmm. And that's just love and understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have a healthy, you have healthy homes. Mm-hmm. Then you have a healthy block. You have a healthy community. Mm-hmm. You have a healthy city. Mm-hmm. That's how it starts. Yeah. But I don't want to be around nobody complaining, even if I do have loot. Because I'm going out kicking, screaming, fighting, laughing. Believe me, I'm, I'm going out with a bang and having a ball. You know, I tell, I don't want to be around it. I tell people all the time when I leave this um, earth, we on now. I said, I'll be on empty because I'm going to do everything I can because tomorrow, this next minute, this next second is not promised. And I'm going to do. Go ahead. That's right. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not promised. You you want to be around people that just love it. Every day. It's, it's just laughter that, that it just makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And. It's just it's a, it's just a cold world out here. It so is. My my father in law had told me one time. He said, even when your mind starts thinking tr- um, like negative thoughts, mm-hmm. you have to train your mind. Just think of something like like enhance like just different things like time management, like different smells can take you to a different place. Mm-hmm. Dream of a beach, mm-hmm. like. Your mind can take you certain places because I had to use my, like, strain my brain just to learn how to say stuff. Like, right now, my memory is gone. Mm-hmm. I can go in the basement and try to pick up, like, get something or do something. I come upstairs, like, ten times and still forget what I went in the basement to do. I'll, like, even if I get ready to, you know, have a comment, make a comment on Facebook or something mm-hmm. My mind just goes somewhere else. I put my phone down. It'll be like four hours later before I come back. It's still on the comment when I pick up my phone. It's still on that page. On that. I just totally forget. Once I get up, I forget. Mm-hmm. And I do something, something totally different. Something totally different. So I think, too, because now I just take personnel uh-huh. and I take self-care. Mm-hmm. I don't take anything else. And I take a vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And um. That's the only medicine I take, and even the steroids. I felt like it was just—it was just making me hostile, like just angry, like like wired, like my body from all the medication. It just had me wired, like like if you stick a fit your finger in the socket, you're just feeling like wired, like mm-hmm. you you you're just not feeling normal, like like I remember when I felt normal. It's been a long time, but I remember when I felt normal, like. I haven't felt normal in so long. So you, now I take my my new normal, uh-huh. and I just try to make the best of it. I try to do good. I do try to, like, bring my family together. Like, I, I want to see love. Like, I don't see everything else in the world. I want to see love. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I want to see less competition. Yes. Like, I want to see good things happen in the world before I leave here too. Like 
that that's one of my goals before I leave here. I want to know that my kids are self-sufficient and happy. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that scared me. Like, things that people care so much about, or they think is tragedy. I had to learn to accept that. That I think that that's minor. That maybe they think my lupus is minor. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, things that I think is tragic, that people think is tragic to them, I think I can walk that through a breeze. And when I want wants to understand me about my lupus, maybe they don't understand it because they just don't go through it. And that's that's, that's one of the biggest problems there is. If you've never walked in someone else's shoes dealing with this illness, they'll never understand. And that's why I do what I do um, by this podcast to try to um, bring awareness. It's not just for me. It's for everybody who is dealing with this illness. You know, people need to understand there's more to lupus than that five-letter word. You know, it is more to it. It is more than just saying that um, I'm a lupus advocate or a lupus warrior. You a warrior because you went through things that nobody else has gone through. And you're here to tell your story. And it's just like um, I told my family. I said, I'm not going to let nobody else tell my story of what I've gone through dealing with this illness when I'm laid out in a casket. I'm going to tell my story now so people will know that this disease, this illness is real. And we all don't. They know. They just don't. Go ahead. They know. They don't want to be bothered with it. They know. They know. Like, my cousin, I'm going to say this, Lord, please give me, give me the right word. My cousin had a cousin that died with lupus. I'm going to tell you what it looked to me because I had. This is where my man went. Um, this was 20-something years ago. She was 19. She was 19. When she was laying in the casket, she looked at 90. So that told me that that, that lupus tore her body apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. The, I mean, the way she looked on the outside let me know it tore her insides up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, people just need compassion or just to think. Like, I done went to a funeral and saw somebody whole head shot off, but they looked quite normal, like they was just asleep. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at somebody that's been suffering. I don't, I don't, I think she was just young, so I don't even know how long she had been suffering. But when I looked at her, it scared the hell out of me. Like, ooh. Like, it even made me feel like, ugh, is that what I'm going to look like even when I die? Like, and, and I don't mean to be cruel, but yeah, I thought that. It like, and then, like at her funeral, it was so much hatred and meanness and everything going around at the funeral. I'm like, well, damn. Did this girl not just suffer and everybody thinking about her, they self, even at a funeral. 
So yeah, it took me like in a depression, like uh uh-uh, uh, people don't care about nobody. Uh uh-uh. uh. Like it started making me want to plan my own funeral. Like 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 I wanted to just let a person know. I wanted to show enough tell my story. You sound like Tati, like like you go off of people's reactions. Yeah. And how they so you know, you like I have lupus. So if I'm in this predicament, this is what they don't oh no. So, you know, you, you wanna make money. You 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 wanna keep driving these fancy cars, but lupus won't let you. Like lupus like, no, sit down. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 really do want to step to people. Like, wait a minute. But it's a lot of people they just scare. They like just scared to speak up for themselves. So I know they can't be an advocate for me. I got to be an advocate for Lucas. Now I'm learning. I'm just special. I have to be an advocate for Lucas. I have to be an advocate for young women. I have to be an advocate for older women. Because mm-hmm. everything ain't about titles. Everything ain't about status. It's about helping people. Yeah. Um, it's about forgiveness. You ain't, whether it's a heaven or hell, whether you believe in the Lord or you just stay woke person. Believe me, if you want to rest easy, you got to learn how to forgive and you got to have understanding mm-hmm. of other people. Mm-hmm. Else you're going to be miserable on earth and you will never rest once you die, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And that's what people need to understand. You know so that's how I end up finding me a hobby. I started making t-shirts and learning how to make um, greeting cards and stuff. I started doing the corona. I started like just meditating and thinking about how I can be a service to others. What is it new in my life? What What is it for me? You know what? Um, what is the name of your t-shirt company? I haven't even like named the company. I just started making t-shirts and selling them. Well, I just started texting them to people. I haven't even like started like to go into it. I just was doing it as a hobby and just texting people and texting people. And and they just started encouraging me, encouraging me. And I'm like, yeah, see, I want to just start a business where I can just be busy and do some things and, you know, make, make things just, just be, not be, be sad. Yeah. Worried about lupus all the time. Yeah, well, you know during this pandemic, I think I made a post that stated that no one in their right mind would just be sitting on social media and doing nothing. You should be thinking of ways that you can better yourself during this time and come out better than what you are at at this certain point in time and um my family tells me all the time that I want to see people do better and I tell them I do because what I see in other people they don't even see it in themselves no one should have been sitting idle and not doing nothing to make themselves better because you cannot count on your government to do anything for you. And, and I think that's the truth. That's a scary feeling. Uh-huh. And I think that that may be one of my biggest faults 
is that I see more in people than they do in themselves. And as my brother said, I always try to save somebody and ask them, have you ever thought about doing this? Have you ever thought about doing that? Instead of being on social media, doing nothing. I think that's one of my biggest faults. I really do. I really do. Well, Miss D. Well, maybe that's just your heart. That that was your heart. You know, I'm going to say it like this. We are perceived by media. And I'm talking about black people. Are perceived by media as lazy. Not intelligent. Um... All we do is have babies and get on welfare, which we know that is a fallacy. We are some talented individuals. And if we believed in in ourselves and come together as a people in the communities, don't you know how great the communities would be? Don't you know if we supported each other in business, keeping our dollars within our own communities, how our communities would flourish, how the kids can see an, another side to uh, black communities? We are great people. We, we are great people, but sometimes, see, like, let me tell you, okay, oh, Lord, 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 please, give me the right word. I love our people, too. But, you know, you just got some families of our black people. Now, I, since you opened it up, I'm just going to go on and go there. Go on through the door, girl. <laughs> you know how you come from the, you, you know how you come from a neighborhood or whatever, and you got this one house. Always this one house or this two house on the block. Oh Lord, they mean yes. well too. Mm-hmm. But it's five generations of everybody right then and there keeping their money together. Uh huh. They ain't never got sugar. They ain't never got tampons. They ain't never got eggs. They ain't even got stuff that women supposed to never run out of. Mm-hmm. So if they can't even share toilet paper. I can't see. I can see us as a people getting together. But sometimes you can't get together with that mentality. Because where you at at that point, they stealing toilet paper from each other. Or they had it. They not sharing. Mm-hmm. And that's just in one house. And that's five generations. You so, right. I mean, and they learning it. Five generations, they learning these lessons all at one time. You right. You're right. You know, so, you know, I can't go out here. Me and my husband, we got we to gotta get along. We got to get along. Because I can't call the police out here on my husband and then go out here. No, don't police, don't kill the black kids. It's a possibility if we get to fight and argue not call the police, they might kill one of us. Yeah. So a lot of times we got to check ourselves first. So yeah. it's a lot deeper. It's a whole lot deeper. Then you got a lot of women. All they want is a man. 
Damn, I done talked to a million women that has been molested, abused, and everything. That's the last thing you should want. You should want a hustle. Everybody got every advice on how to keep a man, what you should do with a man, what you shouldn't do with a man. Kids, I ain't no a good education out here. Where that advice at? Mm-hmm. You know, why you ain't sending the this kids down? I know a coach. Please upgrade your account to remove conference limits. You still there? You know, yeah, uh-huh. I know a mentor. I know this. they rather say your mom is a hoe. Your mom, they rather do that and break a child down. Yeah. Where the mentor is at? Yeah. You know, we, we, we talk about all the wrong things. But, whew, I finally got comfortable enough to start talking. So now the phone about the end. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed this conversation with you, Miss Wynn, talking about your journey with lupus. I would love to have you back on. Okay, and I'd love for you to have me. I'd be more prepared then. <laughs> and less nervous. Stop being nervous, woman. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, you'll be hearing from me, and I'll send you the link over to the show okay okay all right thank you and you have a good day thank you bye-bye bye-bye i would once again like to thank you along with d win for appearing on my story living with lupus podcast telling your story about your journey of living with this chronic illness. And before I go, I would like to leave you with these words. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. In the words of Susan Hendricks, if you don't know where I come from, how do you know where I'm going? I wish you a most peaceful, positive, and oh-so-blessed weekend. I'll see you guys next week for another episode of my story, Living with Lupus. 